And uh, we're thankful that prayer changes things. Amen. As a matter of fact, we get about halfway through Psalm 13, we'll find out that prayer changes things. Changes not only the circumstances of your life or sometimes the circumstances, but sometimes it changes your attitude about what's going on and what you're going through. Thankful for that. Look with me in Psalm chapter number 13. Look at verse number 1 with me. It says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Well, look at this. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But, glory to God, we see a change here. But I have trusted in thy mercy. <laughs> My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. How many of you can say amen to that very last part of verse number six? Boy, he has dealt bountifully with me, and I'll be honest with you, we come to this Psalm chapter number 13 and we find David that's most likely in while he's running for his life and with King Saul. Now we've already looked at chapter number 3, we already looked at chapter number 8, we looked at chapter number 9 and here we get to chapter number 13 and we find David that's running again and he's in trouble again. And it seems like a lot of the, the Psalms and the, the Psalms that David was able to pin down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God was written because he was in a time of turmoil. He was a time of trouble. But thank God that he knew who was on his side. And I thank God that he's on my side too. And as we begin to look through this, it's a turbulent time in the day, David's life. And to be honest with you, when you fight and you fight and you fight and you work and you work and you work and you go through so much trouble and trial, you're climbing up the rough side of the mountain, as the songwriter said. You're climbing and climbing and climbing. How many of you get weary? Well, let's just be honest. You get weary when you fight and it seems like there is no hope. There seems like there is nothing going on in your life that, that the sun is never going to shine. And to be honest with you, David here in Psalm 13 is longing for a little bit of relief. And, and it amazes me that the people of God that I see in the Bible, Brother, uh, Brother David, is, is, is such things that we look through and, and, and they're honest with God. So many times you think that we look through and we're saying, well, these people were perfect and these people were uh, saints of God. And they were saints of God, but they were not perfect. They were robed in flesh just as you and I are. And as we go through these times that, that David is looking at, he's just going to be honest with God. And he approaches God in a way. Look at those opening verses again with me. David poses four questions. These four candid questions that he looks at that I'll be honest with you that most Christians would shrink and not want to say, I admit to even saying something like this. Most of us don't want to even say that I would dare approach God in this manner. Look what he says. Oh, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How wilt thou hide thy face? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Boy, to be honest with you, the honesty of David seems like he's feeling as he's pinning down these words. You feel that and his, his honesty, though, is refreshing because 
I, I realize that, Brother Joel, I'm, I'm not alone. He said, Brother Shane, you're a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You mean to tell me that you get down in the molly grubs from time to time? Do y'all know what the molly grubs are? I, ho- I hope y'all know what the molly grubs are. But sometimes we get down in the molly grubs. Sometimes we have hard times and we just fight and we're weary from having to go on. And it seems like there's one thing that happens after another. There's people sitting here tonight that seems like you just can't catch a break. That it's one thing after another. You feel like you get up from one punch and there's another one coming at you again. And it lands again. And there's another punch. And then there's another punch. And we get weary. And to be honest with you, I feel like, thank God that I'm not the only one. Thank God that even David, the great man of God, Brother Joe, the man that God says is after his own heart, is honest with God and says, I can't take much more of this. How long, God? How long, God? But yet you go through the end of it and thank God that he has changed his attitude already. Why? Because he stops focusing on himself and he begins to focus on the one that really matters. Y'all remember Psalm chapter number 3 where it says it's all about Him? It's all about Him. Well, in the long run, you can just trust. Trust even in the long run. How long? Boy, it seems like there's a hard time. And you might say that uh, this song of of, of David here in the Psalm 13 is a distressing tone. I've even heard it said this way, that maybe even this psalm would be set to not a major key in the musical terms, because major keys are usually happy songs and happy-go-lucky and enjoyment. But then you have a minor key where it sounds just a little bit strange or a little bit eerie sometimes. And that minor key, well, this might just be one of those minor keys that David begins to sing in because he's saying how long Lord despair is evident in that question how long wilt thou forget me and we have been told in all of our lives that God will never leave you God will never forsake you he's everywhere every step of the way with you and thank God he's true that is true that he is with us every step of the way but sometimes it don't always feel that way Sometimes we feel like, boy, we've just been fighting. And God, where are you in all this mess? What is going on? And I need you, God, to show up right here, right now. I need you to do something mighty. And and I want you to look at it. But despair begins to take your mind to a treacherous battleground, a treacherous place that you don't know what's going on in your life. And you don't know how to get out of what's going on in your life. And you're just asking God, God, are you here? God, do you hear my prayers anymore? How many of you said it this way? It feels like my prayers aren't going even past the ceiling. Feels like I've tried to be praying and God just ain't listening anymore. But God is. Can I go ahead and I encourage you by the word of God that that, that rest assured that God has not forgotten about you? That God is still on the throne. That God is still seated in high place. Seated uh, there at high and lifted up. That God is still in control of what's going on in our life. We still have a God that is here for us. As a matter of fact, I love it this way. In Isaiah chapter number 49, the book of Isaiah chapter number 49, verse number 14, begins this way. It says, But Zion said, but Israel, the people of God, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me. They're saying, hey, this is all going on. But look at verse number 15 with me. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should uh, not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, look at this. They may forget. 
That young lady may forget that child. They may uh, go by the wayside. But look what God says. Yet will I not forget thee. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Aren't you glad that he's, hey, they may forget. These may be, you may have people that are here all over the world, or you may have family members or friends that you may think that you have that you can really depend upon. But thank God that we have one that we can depend on even when they let us down. When you get to verse number 16, it says, Behold, I, I'll be honest with you, Dad, I'm about come unglued when I got to this verse. I studying through this. But look at verse number 16. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Glory. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Boy, I'm, I know I'm taking Old Testament and we're bringing it into a New Testament application, but I'll just think about God and looks down and says, Hey, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm taking care of the people of God and I'm taking care of that remnant. I'm taking care of Shane Roy. He may have a problem right now and he may have a need right now. I'm going to go ahead and take care of him because I remember him. I haven't, glory to God, Brother Earl, I haven't forgotten him. <laughs> I haven't forgotten him in his need. I haven't forgotten him. But you go to that New Testament application and I think about the Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty that came down and, and was sacrificed for each and every one of us. Boy, you think about how was I graven in the palms of the hands of the Savior. Boy, they just talked about it and sang about it. That boy, the narrow pierced hands, God stretched out his hands. Jesus Christ stretched out his hands. And now the scars that, that we have are responsible for that are in heaven right now, he looks down and he says, I remember that I did it for him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I did it for Shane. I did it for Don. I did it for Earl. I did it for all those. I did it for that I might be able to save each and every one of them and bring them into heaven. And glory to God, I'm looking forward to the day where I get to see Jesus Christ. And we go through and we look at those questions. And we say, how long, Lord, have you forgotten me? How can an omniscient God forget? Somebody tell me, how can an omniscient he can't. He knows everything. He knows everything that we've ever done, ever will do, and in the future, in the past. And He is, thank God, He uh, uh, encompasses all of that. And therefore, He cannot forget me. So then David is posing that question. And he says, have you forgotten about me, God? How long are you going to forget me? Forever? And then he begins to think, Brother Earl. And he says, no, God ain't going to forget me forever. But look with me. Look at verse number 1. When we get to 13, look at that second part. How long will thou hide thy face from me. Then all of a sudden he was all alone and then he remembered our Savior, that how he feels. And think about that. You think about the fact that uh, he was not alone uh, uh, for us, but each and every one of us have never been forsaken by the Lord Jesus Christ. But I know that we have a Savior. We know have, we have a God that has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Boy, you may feel like you're alone. You may feel like that everybody has forsaken you. But there is one that has not forsaken you. Boy, there's one that knows exactly what it's like to be able to walk up a lonely hill and not have a friend beside his side. I know that there's one, Brother Joe, that knows that there's one that walks out into a garden and begins to pray. And the disciples go ahead and they fall asleep while 
he says, why don't you pray with me? Why don't you pray with me? And he's all alone. He's all alone. And then as he walked up Calvary's hill, and then as the dark sun is darkened, he is all alone. Why? Because God has turned his back because of the sin of me and you and everybody is upon the body of Jesus Christ. But thank God someday, because of what Jesus Christ has done, I don't have to be forsaken by God. You don't have to be forsaken by God. I'm glory to God. I'm so thankful that He has never forgotten me. He's never set me to the side. He's never turned His face from me or for you. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching in Bible study tonight. Boy, we get into Psalm chapter number 13. Look at verse number uh, 2 with me. When you look at once again, he begins to ask another question. He says this, How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemies be exalted over me? When you look at that first part, first portion of it, it says the counsel in my soul, having that sorrow in my heart daily. He begins to have his emotions start bringing up. And all of a sudden, emotions start causing problems and some emotions start causing these things. How many of you have ever had problems and said, I'm just getting plumb emotional and I'm, I'm having some people. Remember that old saying, everybody hates me, nobody likes me, I'm going to eat some worms. Your emotions are getting the best of you. You don't know what to do. It seems like Jesus Christ is not even the one for you. But then he, his emotions begin to get the best of David. But then he goes on and he asks another question. Look at the very end of that verse, verse number 2. Here it seems like the enemies are going to prevail. Why? Because he's saying that, How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? How long, God, is it going to be that they are the ones, but they seem like they're going to be prevailing? And I'll be honest with you, Brother Kerry, we think about the fact here that God, it seems like, like David is saying that hope is lost. There's nothing that's going to happen. All my friends are gone. Here I am down in a different land and I'm trying to stay away. I'm trying to stay alive because Saul is coming after me. And it seems like I don't have anybody and I'm tired and I don't have any hope. But his hope may have been lost in the mankind that was around. But he had hope in God. Glory to God. His hope may have been lost in his circumstances. But he still had hope in God. He may have lost the battle. Praise God. It seemed like the battles was raging. But he has not lost hope in God. Then he may have lost even hope in himself, but he has not lost hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and God Almighty. Hallelujah. That we do not have to lose hope. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the one that is our hope. Boy, Jeremiah, chapter number 17, verse number 7. I'm not going there, but I just... That that is the hope, the birth of hope for each and every one of us. Jesus Christ came and died on a cross for each and every one of us. And thank God that we have that that knowing. Boy, and with this psalm, as it begins to go through that distressing, but then all of a sudden it concludes in a wonderful discovery. What the discovery is that? Well, I can't wait to preach it to you. And I can tell y'all can't wait to hear it. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want you to look through that discovery. That's a discovery that is still to this day very real to each and every one of us. It was real to David back then and it's real to Shane today. It was real to David back then and it's real to you today. All you got to do is reach out and grab hold of it. Praise God. Uh, uh, Y'all know what grabbing hold of something is, don't you? Am I preaching to country tonight? I don't know. I'm getting in trouble. Praise God. 
Boy, that grab hold of this and that, that discovery is the fact that God is there for us. And all of a sudden, he gets his focus put on the Lord. He gets his focus put on God. And all of a sudden, he feels like praising God. He gets his focus put off of the circumstances. And he feels like praising God. And then we go through and we see that latter part of the psalm is a song of faith. Because I want you to look real closely, Brother Michael. When you look through this psalm, it's only six verses long. And the first two verses, he's just saying, how long, how long, how long, how long long. And then verses 3 and 4 he begins to pray to God consider me God, hear me, open my eyes God, let this really true to come. And then all of a sudden verse 5 and 6 he's praising him. He's singing songs. He's enjoying himself. He's worshiping somewhere and it may just be him and God. But that's all it takes, glory to God. That's all that it takes when you just go ahead and you get alone with God. That's when you can worship Him in a great and a wonderful way. Boy, that psalm of faith, because guess what? The deliverance has not come. He still is in the middle of the circumstance. He's still in the middle of this battle. He's still in the middle of running from Saul. But he begins to learn and say, hey, I can still praise Him even in the midst of the trials that I am in. And boy, folks, I want us to understand that we can praise Jesus Christ even in in the midst of our circumstances. It may be dim, it may be problematic, but God is still real every step of the way. I want you to look at verses number 3 and 4 with me. I want you to see the request that he has. David gives a request. He begins to pray. Boy, David began to pray and it was a short prayer. Look at these words. Consider and hear me, O God. Uh, O my God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. He just prays a, a quick little prayer right there. You say, well, what in the world is a quick little prayer like two verses going to do? Well, why don't you ask Peter when he was walking on the water and he said three words. Lord, save me. Didn't take much. It's not the length of your prayer that dictates the answer. It's the heart in which you pray it in. Why don't you ask the leper later on in, in life, why well, ask that leper when he says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can cleanse me. Glory to God. Think about that. What about that man, that man that was a publican when he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Boy, that Pharisee had gone through and he had prayed, Brother James, and he had prayed that long prayer and everybody in the corner had made sure that he made sure that he had been seen by all those people and he had been heard by all of those people. But hey, he was praying, Brother Jose, to the wrong people. He was praying to the wrong person. Then all of a sudden that publican says, Lord, be merciful to me. A sinner. Glory to God. And that man was the one that went down. And he was the one that was saved. He was the one that was taken care of. He was the one that was redeemed. Glory to God. It doesn't matter how long your prayer is. Boy, that request of uh, to be able to do that. I'll be honest with you. I think brevity sometimes births out an urgency of prayer. I've been in situations in my life where I needed to pray in an instant. You think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was in a time where he had to pray at an instant. Boy, there were people all over the Bible that God had to reach out to them and they needed prayer to be able to pray right then and right there. Now, I've heard it this way. People say, you need to go ahead and make sure that your prayer life is up to date so that way when you do have an emergency, an urgency hits you, then you have to go ahead and you ain't got to clean up everything in your life that you've been putting on credit. Praise the Lord. 
Everybody know what that means? Praise the Lord. Boy, but I'll be honest with you. There's times in my life where I just need to pray, God, help me. Lord, save me. God, I need you in this hour. God, I need you to do this for me. I need you to help me in this. That requested. Look at verse number 3. He simply says this. Open my eyes. Open my eyes, God. Consider and hear me. Oh, Lord, my God. Lighten my eyes. Open me lest I sleep the death of sleep of death. Boy, that time that we go through, we need to have an eye-opening experience. Brother Joel, I'm glad when I was a six-year-old little boy, I had an eye-opening experience. I'm glad when I was just a youngster that I have seen things happen in my life and my family's life and those that I have loved and I have seen great and mighty things take place. And Brother Joel has opened my eyes to great things where God has done it. Boy, I've seen it, Brother Earl, where nobody else could do it but him. I've seen it happen where nobody could get the glory but by Him. I have seen it where God has said, Hey, move over a little bit. I'm going to step in right now. I know you can't take any more, but I can take the load and I can take care of what's going on. Hey, step over just a little bit and give me the glory. I'm so glad that we serve a God that will, from time to time, open our eyes and let us see great and mighty things. Boy, we think, boy, that's a God of the past. That's a God that there's no way we'll ever be able to see those kind of miracles again. But glory to God, the same God we serve that now is the same God that did those miracles then and we can see the great and mighty move of God we just need to get on our knees and begin to pray that God would touch and open our eyes boy the opening of our eyes that is that request but then also look at verse number 4 he says oppose my enemies lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him there's a verse that comes to my mind brother Joel says something like this. The gates of hell. Ain't that good, Brother Joe? The gates of hell shall not prevail. And the enemy may feel like and may make you think, boy, I have lost it. Boy, I have really blown it. Boy, there's no way that I can do it. But when God gets to fighting on your side, When God begins to move, when God begins to do something, boy, the request of David is, God, I need you in this hour. Boy, it wasn't the first time, Brother James, that God said, Lord, I need you. I believe that there was a time when he was on a hillside and he had to face a giant and all he had was five smooth stones and a sling. But glory to God, what did he say? Hey, that giant said, you're coming to me like this. And he said, hey, I'm not coming to you at all. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord because that battle is not mine. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God Almighty. And I'm here to tell you that if you're going through a trial, you go ahead and say, God, I want you to oppose the enemy for me. I want you to oppose the enemies that that are coming against us right now because he has gotten the victory. Boy, you see that request. But look at verse number five. Maybe I'm moving fast. Look at verse number five. Look at the response that he has. But, (laughs) hallelujah, but I have trusted in thy mercy. I want you to notice his focus is changing. But I'm trusting in you, God. I'm trusting in your mercy, God. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Not the one that I'm looking around for. Not the ones that I'm uh, trying to see. Not the one that I'm trying to provide for myself. But God, I'm trusting in you. Let me say this. Your past experiences... Burst a present expectation. 
You know what I mean by that? I hope you mean by that what you know what I mean by that. Because he says, I have trusted in thy mercy. I have trusted. Why? Because I've seen it before. Hallelujah. Brother Richard, I've seen great things happen before. And because of the past experiences that I have had before, I expect great things, wonderful things, mighty things, majestic things to happen again. He can do it again. He can do it every time. Hey, I, I, I put no borders on him. I put nothing on him at all. I might be able to say that, hey, I, I know that this is a great thing and I know that God has done stuff in the past, but maybe God can't handle this. Or I know that he's part of the Red Sea, but maybe God can't do this. I, I know that he has defeated the armies of Egypt, but maybe God can't do this. And I, I know that he's brought fired up down from heaven, but maybe it's too hard for God to do this. But the Bible tells us, is there anything too hard for God? And the answer to that is no, 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 a thousand times no. God is able to do all things and I thank God that He will do all those things on our behalf. And because I have seen great things and I have seen His mercy in the past, Brother Tag, I'm trusting in His mercy today. I'm trusting in His power today to see great things happen. I have a heart, boy, He says that realization that thank God that mercy has not changed. Glory to God, hallelujah. But it has not less any less. It is not diminished in any way. Thank God He's been faithful before. He's going to be faithful again. He has done it before. He's going to do it again. Thankful for that response is a realization that, hey, God has done it before and thank God that I know that in Lamentations 3 He says that this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Boy, I'm glad that I'm not consumed because of what God has done for me on a daily basis. Look at the end of that verse, verse number 5 with me, chapter number 13 in Psalm. Chapter number 5, our text, look at the last part of it. Simply says this, it goes on to look at this way. But I have trusted in thy mercy, my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Whose salvation? His salvation. The joy of thy salvation. The salvation that only God can provide. Is it a salvation from sin? Possibly so. Is it a salvation from self? Most likely so. Is it a salvation from Satan? Glory to God, I hope so. Is it a situational thing? Is it, a, is it from Saul? Is it Saul that he's having to go through? And is it salvation from there? Maybe so, because it's in the context of this. But is it every situation that you and I face? I know the Bible says that not all the Bible is written for us, but it's written to us, or not written to us, but for us. Thank God that we look through that, that he is, I can see that the things that David was going through, I can go through something and God will be there for me as well. But look with me in verse number six and look, we're going to go home shortly after eight o'clock. There's a rejoicing. I will sing unto the Lord. Because he hath dealt bountifully with me. I made the statement a few months ago. If you knew how good God is to me, you would be plumb jealous. Had somebody come up to me, Brother Earl, and say, You shouldn't brag on how good God is to you. 
I said to them, if you knew how good God was to me, you'd be plumb jealous. They said, I can't believe you. And I said, if you knew how good God was to me, you'd be plumb jealous. And Brother James, they walked out the door. Praise God. Because I'm going to brag on Jesus. I'm going to brag on how bountifully he has blessed me. I want to talk about how the psalmist that says that he daily loadeth me with benefits. That he has mercies that I'm not consumed because of. Thank God that I have a salvation because Jesus Christ has done that for me. Thank God that I have a joy in his salvation and it can be restored to us. And I sing because God has done great and mighty things for me. Now I'll be honest with you. Most people, Brother Jose, say words like this. David would pen a word like this after he has, has just... Boy, somebody that's put it in modern day terms that somebody just got a raise at their job. Boy, somebody just got a promotion at their job. They just got them a new car. They've moved into a house. They've had a new child and they're so excited about that little baby. But David is not in any of those situations. He's simply saying that I'm praising God because God is worthy to be praised. And because he has done great things for me, I'm going to praise him. Because God has done great and mighty things for me. And there's a sweet refrain that he's saying, I'm singing to the Lord. I sing because. <laughs> Hallelujah. I sing because. Boy, brother, brother, brother Parson had it right. I sing because of all these things. Thank God that we can sing. There's a song in our heart, a sweet refrain because... I can rejoice in what God has done. But I know that there's a stable reason. Look at the end of that. Because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Because he has plumb blessed my soul. You say, Brother Shane, is it because you've got a nice car? Well, praise God, I got a nice car. But that's a wonderful thing. But I can still praise God even if I didn't have a nice car. You got a nice house. I believe I got a nice house. Praise the Lord. I thank God for that. But I can praise him even if I didn't have a nice house. We can praise him even when we have these things and not because of changing circumstances. And David is saying, hey, I'm still in the middle of this trial. I'm still in the middle of these problems. My circumstances have not changed, but I can still praise him. Why? Because, Brother Steve, God is unchanging. My circumstances may not have changed yet, but thank God that God does not change. The God that I serve, He's there for each and every one of us. I want you to notice that language. It's all in the past tense. You look at verses 5 and 6, it's all in the past tense. David is saying, it's as good as done. Because God has so, so wonderfully, bountifully dealt with me in the past. I know he's going to do it again. I got so much faith that I know he'll do it one more time. I'll be honest with you. I think he had reason to sing. And friends, I think we have reason to sing. And thank God. Why? Because he has been good to me.